0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG 13. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.
1: Edmonton Oil Kings just getting underway at Rogers Place, taking on the Swift Current Broncos. They will play again tomorrow at 4 in the afternoon. The Oilers should be departing for Seattle in about 25 minutes. 6.30 face-off show tomorrow here on 6.30, Chet. And the game will start at 8. And again, the Oilers roster update. If you missed it earlier, Duncan Keith going into COVID protocol tonight after Nugent Hopkins went in this morning, Cooper Marody and Seth Griffith, both forwards, called up from Bakersfield. Chris Russell goes to long-term injury, injured reserve. Marcus Niemalainen, who didn't play last night, placed on regular injured reserve. And uh, I would guess that either Slater Cuckoo will be activated for tomorrow's game or they'll call up Philip Broberg in the morning or maybe after the game tonight and uh, go from there because right now the Oilers only have five active defensemen on the roster. So there is another story to watch heading into tomorrow night's game. Uh, The producer of this show, my good friend Dave Campbell, is on the line. Dave, how's it going? It's well, Reed. How are you, buddy? I'm doing very well. It's nice to have you on the show this evening. I I, got to tell you, I'm very excited. Between 7.30 and 8, we're going to have Leroy Johnson on the show. He has written a book. And as you know, I hold anybody who can write a book in high regard, first of all. Yep. And uh, second of all he's written about the Viking Cup, which was an institution in this province for uh, what about 25, 26 years. And I believe yeah. I believe a big part of your formative years as a sports fan. Oh. what's the story there?
2: Oh my oh my goodness Reed this tournament this just gives me such good feelings and good memories. So my grandparents lived in Cameroon for 30 years. So I have seen plenty of a Viking Cup. In Camrose at the old uh, Max McLean Arena, which I think was just called the Camrose Rec Center back then. Um, and of course, it was hosted by the uh, then the Camrose Lutheran College uh, Vikings, who shocked the world in the mid 70s or shocked the country in the mid 70s. A small school from a small town in Canada won the national uh, college championship, but they hosted this Viking Cup tournament, which was uh, an international tournament. Uh, Kevin Prendergast, the one-time uh, director/player of player personnel for the o- for the Oilers, said this was probably the the second best tournament, the, as far as a uh, you know a junior select tournament. Uh, the, the best one, obviously being the World Juniors, but you know you look at the number of NHL players that have gone through the the the, uh, the tournament. You know, there's Dominic Hasek, there's uh, Boris Mironov, former Oiler, there's Henrik Zetterberg, there's. Oh, boy. this uh, Ole oh, Okunen
1: was a tournament MVP, Klima, yeah. Roman Turek, yeah. <laughs> Tuka Rask
2: played in it. the most famous, uh, I guess, Canadian was James Patrick because he was on the team with Dave Tippett uh, when the uh, Prince Albert Raiders were in the first Viking Cup in 81. And, uh, you know, we, we're big on the U-sports uh, here, of course. Uh, U of A Golden Bears won it in 88, and then in 90, McGill won it in uh, yeah, 1990, 92, it was uh, UNB, University of uh, of uh, New Brunswick. So three straight uh, tournaments you had, you know, back then it was called the CIAU. You had the university uh, teams winning. But tremendous tournament, uh, big-time volunteers and billets. Uh, a lot of the families took in the players, of course, if they had to. And, um, you know, near the end, and I don't want to spoil it because Leroy will, will explain it, but... This was very expensive, and at a certain point, uh, the later the tournament, uh, you know, in its, in its later years, there was a lot of concern about, okay, we're we're matching up young hockey players against more mature hockey players, and that created a problem. But I'll tell you, like I remember, well, '86 to about, you know, '90, '96, '98, somewhere in that range, maybe a bit longer. Uh, this tournament was something that I I watched every two years. In Camaros, because I used to spend all my Christmas holidays or most of it in Camaros with my grandparents, and um, you know, and and by the way, the off year, uh, the Vikings would go to Europe and play in tournaments there. So um, it was it was a tremendous tournament and one of the best memories I ever had in my life when it comes to sports, especially watching games with my grandpa.
1: Yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah, and you, you, you know, it, it was every second. I get the first, the first two years they had it back to back. Then it was in every even numbered year from '82 to uh, to 2006. And my, I, I never got to go to it, but I, I remember working in Lloyd Minster that you'd cover the hHL players named to the uh, usually there'd be an hHL All Star team there, right? So that mm-hmm. was always a big deal for players to be named to that team. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to talking to Leroy for sure. I hey, appreciate you checking in tonight, Dave. I know we're uh, we're heading into uh, the, the Christmas. Are you are you taking some time off next week? Long deserved yeah. for you, I think.
2: Yeah, taking uh, next week off, and then you know, uh, kind of spills into the, the following week after Christmas and Boxing Day, and then uh, working the. Rest of the rest of the year. And yeah, but I'm looking forward to, you know, having a, a few days off here. It's, uh, you know, didn't really take time off when I came back home from the three and seven trip with the Elks, that was, uh, that was a grind. And uh, I think I took, I took one day off, you know, you know, from, from the regular grind, you know, from, I, I took a Friday off a couple of weeks ago. Can't remember anything anymore. That's the problem. <laughs> so it'll be nice to get uh,
1: as much rest as my kids will allow me to have. <laughs> that's, They're in charge. that's a that's well I'm not I'm not a parent but I laugh because I hear a lot of parents use a similar phrase so that's uh that's cool what what did you ultimately think of the gray cup and the and the finale to the season I mean there were some pretty good playoff games I mean two of the five playoff games went to overtime yeah. right so uh I was a little underwhelmed with the first half of the game on Sunday but I a memorable second half and a memorable finish
2: yeah, I would put it up, you know, anytime you go to a, an overtime game in the Grey Cup, I mean, you got to be considered as one of the best games of all time. Is it a top 10 game? I'm sure it would threaten near the bottom of of, of that list, top 15, you probably have a good good case there. But I must you the first half was a slog and kind of reminded me of the regular season, right? If, if this is what we put up with in the regular season. It, there wasn't a lot of great moments in the regular season. There were good games in the regular season, but, you know, the first half was terrible. The second half and overtime, I mean, it just it just elevated. And to me, I, I cannot believe the Tiger Cats on their home field with a 12-point lead, a two-possession lead, found a way to give the game back to the Bombers because they dominated. The Tiger Cats dominated that game, I think, for three quarters and gave it back. Now, I do think... The signal should have, been, uh, should have been a single conceded. That's just me. But I, I, I think it's a, a secondary issue to the point that, and you and I talked about this, they were on the five. was first and goal from the five. You got to punch it in. And, and that's the thing about the Bombers, is they hang around, they hang around, they hang around. They haven't had to face this type of adversity except in the playoffs. When six turnovers in the West Semi against the riders and then they didn't play very well. I mean Jack Delaros threw six interceptions in two games. That that's that's remarkable. Didn't play very well, but they're so good that they find the moments. They find the moments where you go, Okay, here it comes. And that's the thing with the Elks this year. We never really got that. We didn't get that at all actually. Um, and it just shows you when you're that good, all you need is a there's one or two things to go your way before you seize momentum. And and you Happen, lined up in a row, and if one thing went off kilter, you're done. But that's how good the Bombers are. But this is going to hurt for the Tigers. I mean, I think about Simone Lawrence, that's four breakup appearances. run organization of the league i think calgary's close uh, close second but uh if you want to emulate uh, a football organization the bombers are at the top of the list right now
1: all right and so that brings us to my next question because the elks organization (laughs) is in a uh, serious state of transition i mean even mike O'Shea's name up came name came up as a as, as a candidate i don't know if that's still going on uh, you know, obviously Chris Jones discussed, uh, Barker, Dickinson, oh, McManus, g Royce, I mean, on and on we go. Yeah. We, I mean, we might get something next week for all we know, at least when it comes to a GM.
2: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, the, the names that you mentioned are all in play. I think Chris Jones remains a really uh, strong candidate. Because of this reason. And there's a reason why I believe there was interest in Dave Dickinson and there's interest in Michael Shea, although I don't believe that there's been an interview with Michael Shea. But you have to wait a week after the breakup to make make the uh, ask for permission. Uh, So that's why I'm wondering, is it next week? Maybe it won't be next week. I I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. But uh, with the football operations cap, which is annoying, um, and the fact that you had to get rid of – well they did have to. I mean Brock Sarwin and, and uh Damian Lazano Chris Preston and even though know, Preston doesn't count. I mean they had financial reasons, the outfit, not to make the move, but the moral and ethical reasons went out here and they're getting penalized for it really, you know, not necessarily because the you know the league's addictive or anything like that, but just because the way that the football ops uh, salary cap is, is set up. They have to keep that salary on their books for five years unless there's something worked out with the league. Um, so, you know, the head coach DM spot, they have it to one guy would save some money for sure, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go that way. I know Justice uh, Justin Dunn reported Ted Govaya, the assistant GM of the Bombers, would be an excellent choice among a lot of excellent choices. Uh, he interviewed for the job. And he's been with uh, Winnipeg for a long time, helping, uh, helping out Kyle as the GM, and, of course, Danny McManus. I and, know and McManus' name has come up. I heard because he doesn't reside in Canada for most of the time, as I believe he lives in Florida, uh, that, might, that might take him off the, out of the running, perhaps. But, I mean, there, there's a lot of candidates out there. I was playing a couple of days ago when he said Jim Barker would interest me the least, and I, I, I'm with that. You know, but I, you know, Chris Jones is the sexy pick just because we know what he's been 14 or 15, but it would make the fan base extremely nervous for you and for all yeah. reason, right? So I think it's instant gratification because you know what you would get with Chris Jones versus building a program because I think there's a lot of GMs that are, that are out there that are interested in the job that could do a really, really good, uh, good uh, job at stirring the franchise into uh success but uh the organization and they're winning a lot right now this is a very much a win now business and there's no such thing as rebuild i think in this league, because you can turn it around that quickly but you still have to have some patience here so uh i think this is a very strong candidate though but there's some there's some warning labels with this hire right you know we don't know why
1: yeah, very well said. Okay, Dave. Well, I, I appreciate you taking time out of your Friday night to check in on Inside Sportsman. We're having a, a fun show tonight, and uh, I, I really appreciate, of course, all the work you do. And uh, you know, you're one of my best friends, not just a coworker, buddy. So, have a great Christmas. All the best to you and your family.
2: Absolutely, and uh, the feeling is more than mutual. And you know, it's been a it's been a tough week or so, and you know, we're here to make a smile and i hope that we've accomplished that so thank you Raiden. uh all the best to you in the holiday season merry christmas to you and yours and i know we'll talk next week but uh, just want to wish everyone out there uh you know all the best in the holiday
1: season that is dave campbell the producer of this very show analyst for the edmonton oaks broadcast here on six thirty. 30 checking in tonight chris jones yeah i wonder how everybody would feel about that if he did wind up coming To uh, maybe be coach and GM of the Edmonton Elks. Back after the break, Inside Sports on Chet.
0: All right, what do we have here, Kellen? This is Satch Boogie by Joe Satriani. In by an anonymous text, so this person did not send the name in, but a mysterious anonymous texter. Apparently, this was sports bumper music at uh, good old uh, Global Edmonton slash ITV back in the '80s and '90s for Sports Night. Oh, nice! Perfect. All right,
1: seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the Certainteed Hotline. Certainteed professional grade building materials. That's also the number you can use. To text in, Kellen, has uh, anybody written in any uh, messages besides the yes. song requests tonight? Uh, okay. uh, we
0: got quite a few here, actually. Uh, we'll start with Joe. He says he hopes that the Oilers go deep into the playoffs or maybe even win the Stanley uh, Cup. So there's his Christmas wish. Uh, Roland, his bold prediction for the year was Perlini scores 20 goals. So his Christmas wish is for 19 more. <laughs> Good. Don writes in and says his highlight of the year was the Maple Leaf victory over the Oilers. And he makes says it makes it sweeter because, Reed, you do like to take shots at the Leafs now and again. All in good fun, though, and he wishes us a Merry Christmas, so Merry Christmas, Don. And uh, Louis says, Paul Maurice, should the Oilers kick some tires? Is it too soon? And he put LOL, so I don't know if he was being sarcastic or if it meant something, but... No, he's joking around. There we go. So. Uh, do I take shots at the Leafs? Not very often. You take more shots at the Riders than you do at the I Leafs. Definitely, so. I
1: definitely troll Riders fans more than I troll Leafs fans. So The Leafs are good. The Leafs are very good. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're, they're 9-0-1 in Rogers Place. Maybe if I – I guess my wish is, is sometime in my career to see the Oilers win a home game in regulation against the Leafs. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a Christmas wish for sure. Okay, yeah, the, that was pretty big news out of Winnipeg. Earlier today, Paul Maurice, who's you know a great NHL coach, decides to uh, step down. The GM of the team, Kevin Cheveldayoff, was asked, "Were you thinking about firing Paul Maurice?"
2: Uh, Paul and I went back, um, you know, and, and if you could have sat in some of our rooms where we negotiated his contracts and stuff like that, a lot of times we talked about. He said, "Just give me one-year deals." He said because you know I'm at the point in time in my career where you know being you know, happy in in life and being happy in my job and doing what I'm doing, he says, you know, like, maybe you should just give me one-year deals. And I said, well, I can't because every year I keep giving you a one-year deal, then the media is going to keep asking me, like, when are you going to extend them? I said, so, um, you know, so anyway, those are the kind of conversations that we had. But but it became clear, you know, as and certainly in these last couple of days here with with our conversations that, you know, I I think he he definitely felt that he couldn't push the buttons and, and, and we came to an agreement.
1: All right, and the Jets in action tonight against the Capitals. Uh, A new coach on the bench, Dave Lowry. He'll be there the rest of the season. And six minutes left in the second period, Capitals lead it 2-0, Leeson and Sprong, the goal scorers. Also in the second period, Blues up 1-0 on the Stars. In the third, Penguins lead the Sabres 2-1, and they're out shooting the Sabres 42-17. Third period, Rangers leading the Golden Knights 2-1 2-1 Preds and Blackhawks 1-1 one, one after the first period coming up later it's the Coyotes and the Ducks Well, one thing I'm excited about too uh non-sports related that's new Spider-Man movie yeah it's getting good reviews it's got all the are they calling them the Sinister Six aren't don't all the villains amount to the Sinister Six pretty much I don't know that's the way I'm looking at it it's cool they found a way to combine them all together I'll have to go see that Viking Cup memories with a guy who used to be the tournament coordinator. He has now written a book on the tournament. Leroy Johnson coming up next on Inside Sports. Stick around.
0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on
1: 630 Chad.